We're going to jump right into it. Um, I want to really unpack this. And like Pastor AJ said, I'm talking about grace this evening, so I'm excited about this topic. We're going to turn over to Psalm chapter 30. Psalm 30. We're going to read the whole psalm. And while you're turning there, I want to give you some backstory. So David is writing this psalm. And this psalm is during the time in which he takes a census. He does this without the approval of God. And as he does this, he's trying to gather whether his military might is what has made him successful and brought peace to the land. And God says, well, you didn't invite me into this. So now, unfortunately, there's going to be an issue. You have to choose one of the three things. And it's either uh, famine in the land, your enemies will overtake you, or a plague will come. David chooses the plague to be at the hand of God versus the hand of the land or the hand of man. And this is where he writes this psalm from. He gets it from this place of both pain and, as we see, he finds the place where he's going to put the temple. Verse 1 of Psalm 30 says this, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. You have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Now as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. O Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there if, in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God. I will give thanks to you forever. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. You are more precious than anything in this world. And Lord, we invite you in. We make this place welcome to you. Lord, open our minds to understand, open our hearts to receive. Open our eyes to see you more clearly and our ears to hear. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 I have titled this message, Grace. 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 And in order to fully understand grace, we need to actually look for the New Testament. But I want to quickly define grace. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. I want to tell you some quick examples of grace. My wife and I have been married for uh, almost five years now, and I met her in an airport in South Africa. It's a long story. I'll, I'll tell you at a different point in life. But she had these fake braids. She was very tan. I couldn't tell what she was. So I did the greatest thing on the planet, and I'm, I just want to preface this. This is a bad question to ask. Don't ever ask this question, but I did it. I turned around, and I asked her, and I said, is your hair real? <laughs> Let me tell you, she extended a lot of grace. <laughs> she says, no, my hair's not real, but you know, I, it's, I just wanted to do it. I liked it. I said, okay, great. So I turned around about six, seven minutes later. I'm like, yo, I just can't get this out of my head. What are you like? 
what are you? So I turn around and I ask her, what are you? <laughs> I'm two for two, right? <laughs> I mean, those are good questions to ask. They're awful. Don't ever ask that to anybody. She answers again. She says, I'm half Portuguese, half Spanish, and I'm from Germany. And I was like, wow, that answers a lot of questions, but it also confuses me all the more. She extended grace because those questions we should all know are not very smart to ask anybody. I was in college. I was taking statistics. Let me tell y'all, statistics was not my strong suit. I was good at math. I wasn't good at when you put words with math. And so I was in the statistics class. Exam number one comes, and I'm studying hard. I'm trying really hard. And next thing you know, the exam comes. I think I do pretty poorly. I go back to, we come back the next, or two days from that moment, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, this is not going to be a good grade. I already know it. He hands me the test. It's a 32. <laughs> out of 100. Not out of 50, out of 100. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> So what I did, what did I do? What did I do? I went to the professor and I said, hey, I'm trying really hard. I'm just not good at this. Can you help me? So he sat me down. He told me to bring my exam in the email. So I brought my exam. We sat down. And the next thing you know, we're going over my exam. And he's writing out the answers. He's writing out how to do it. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, great, great, great. He pulls out a new exam, says, here, do everything I told you to do. And I said, great. I did it. He said, now go home. I'm going to give you a passing grade. And I was like, now let me tell you, he did that all semester. So this professor and I were good friends at the end of the semester. Good friends. That is grace. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. In order for us to truly understand it, we have to go to the New Testament because grace is a New Testament concept. It's a New Testament thing. That's, it's a New Testament theme that's seen consistently there. It's throughout all of the scriptures, but it's more prevalent, more evidence, and it shines light to the Old Testament as we read it. So we're going to go to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Titus 2, 11, and it says this. It says, but the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. There are three things I want to talk to you about this evening. The first is saving grace. Saving grace. I want you to repeat after me. Saving grace. The next, the throne of grace. The throne of grace. There you go. And then lastly, strong grace. The first encounter we have with Jesus is not a very, it is a beautiful one, but it comes really at our worst time in life. I don't know about you, but I needed saving grace at my least consistent and least clear time in my entire life. I was at the lowest of the low. And I was sitting at the end of my rope waiting for something or somebody to bring anything to help me out of it. Titus, Paul writes this to Titus, who's on the island of Crete and says, but grace has appeared. This is really cool because this means that you don't have to do anything for grace to show up. It just shows up. It just appeared. And when it appeared, it said, I am here for you. This word actually in the Greek means to, make, to be made known. When I think about this, I think about getting to know a friend. When I was in school, in college specifically, me and my friends, we would sit out in the lobby and we would talk for hours on end. I'd ask them about their past. They'd ask me about mine. I'd ask them about their history. They'd ask me about mine. I'd ask them about their classes. They'd ask me about mine. And then at the end of those hours and hours and hours of conversation, things were made known. 
the grace of God was made known so that we could see God more clearly and be in more intimate of relationship with him. The grace of God appeared. It's not because of our good deeds that it showed up. It's not because we have gone to church our whole lives that God's grace has showed up. It's not because our parents are deacons or elders. It's not because we have been raised in a godly house. The grace of God shows up. It's made known, and it was made known beautifully in the person of Jesus. He came to do things that no man had ever seen, no eye had ever seen, no ear had ever heard. And as he did, he didn't just appear for us to see God more clearly. He appeared for us to be restored into relationship with God. He appeared so that we could know God and know that his love for us is not one that sits in the heavens, but is active in our lives. Grace was made known for salvation. For salvation. It wasn't made known so you could feel good about yourself. It wasn't made known so that we could have a good time and go to God again so he could give us what we do not deserve and another chance to receive his love. It was made so that we could understand the God of the universe. And so as he brought his grace to us, he did the unthinkable. I deserve death for my sin. I deserve death. It's very clearly written out by Paul in Romans. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. We deserve death. That's what we deserve. And yet the grace of God says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. So he does what we do not deserve and taking our place for where we should have been on a cross living a completely perfect life and giving us the opportunity to come to him. I remember I've grown up in this church. If you didn't know I'm pastor Brett's son, I'm, T I'm pastor Tellus's brother. If you didn't know that, hi, this is my church. I've grown up in it. I've been here my whole life, gave my life to the Lord at a young age, around six or seven. When I got to college, I had nothing to do with God. All I wanted to do was find my freedom, go to the parties, figure out how to live life and have fun. I did that. Found myself really empty, frustrated, angry at the world and kind of bitter at everybody who had getting success, yet I wasn't getting it. Then one day, one man quit what I considered success, really retired from it. And I said, why? He said, God told me to. What had happened in that moment when he said, God told me to, the grace of God was made known to me. I had grown up in church and heard these things my entire life, but when I heard that he had retired from something that he was making a lot of money in and had chased, it whole, chased his whole life, I understood that he knew something I didn't. I had the rules of God down packed. Ten Commandments, your boy was good. I was so good at telling you what you wanted to hear, but I knew nothing of the person of God. I knew nothing of grace. And when he sat me down and began to tell me about the grace of God and the salvation that it brings, Paul says it like this in Ephesians. It says, by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Grace is a gift to be received, not something to be earned. He began to unpack that even though I grew up in the church, I did not earn, I did not deserve grace. It was something that God had to give to me. And as I received it, I began to see my life become a little bit more clear. 
after about a couple months of sitting down and talking with him, I said, the response to this grace is for me to commit my life to this man because I don't know anybody else who can get me to a place where clarity, direction, purpose, freedom, love, mercy, kindness, joy, self-control. I don't know about anybody who can get me to a place where he can bring me to a people that love me for who, we are, who I am and not what I can do for them. So I decided to commit my life to him and say, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, however long you want me to do it, and whatever you call me to, I will do it. The grace of God was made known. My response was to give my life, to give my life for it. And as I did, God continued to sustain me. You see, the beautiful thing about this is that first God appears to you and I. It's not anything that we have to do to get it. It's just that he appears to you and I. He's made known to us. The next step of grace, the next moment, is that we then go to him. First he appears to us, and that's the beginning, the restoration of relationship. Then we start going to him. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, We should with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might find grace for help in our time of need. We are to draw near to God as he's drawn near to us. As he has made himself known, our response is to say, Lord, I don't know where you're going to take me. I don't know where this is going to end up, but I'm going to draw near regardless. When I think of kings, I don't think of them as being the most graceful. I think of them as being a lot of power. I'll take you back to my childhood. I watched this movie called The Emperor's New Groove. Y'all know Cusco? Cusco was a funny, funny guy. But he was a king of this land called Cusco. And what he did, he brought this guy in and said, hey, tell me what you need. And he said, okay, I'm just going to make my request known. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to tell him. And he did so. And then Cusco stops him at the end and says, yeah, that's great and all, but I'm turning your place into my swimming pool. And then he's like, wait, but but where are we going to go? What are we going to do? How are we going to live our lives? And he sends him home, distraught, confused, frustrated, and at the end of what he knows to be home. And then Cusco turns into a llama. Spoiler alert, sorry. <laughs> but this movie shows that kings weren't always looking out for their people. They were looking out for themselves. There are moments in history where we see people in power looking out for themselves before they look out for their people. This is very different than what we see in the scriptures. We see in the scriptures that there is a throne of grace. Meaning that as we approach this throne of grace, it is not going to turn us away because we have done wrong. It's going to say, yes, come in. Now make your request known. I don't know about y'all, but the first step to grace in my life is making a request to God that I need help. I just need help. I don't know what to do. I don't have all the answers. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to get there. I don't know where the money's going to come from. I don't know where the job's going to come from. I don't know anything. But what I do know is that it says, draw near to the throne of grace. And so what I do is I draw near to the throne of grace. I'm just going to be honest with you. This last full year from August to now has been really, really tough for my family. Very tough. 
We have had death on my wife's side, cancer diagnoses, brain aneurysms and surgery. We have had two miscarriages, a bunch of sickness, and we have been at the end of our rope frustrated, sad. And as I was doing this, I still had to work. I still had to, and I enjoy, I enjoy my job. It's just after hit, after hit, after hit, after hit, there's a pain that wells up in your heart. There's a disappointment and a tiredness and a sadness that comes over you after you've been hit one time after another. Around May, we were supposed to take our family vacation. We were going to Florida and it was going to be a really great time. Some time for physical rest for me. I was excited to be able to sleep because I was tired. Two days into the vacation, my wife gets COVID. She's stuck in the room. I am continuing to take care of my daughter and provide for my wife. Mind you, from the first miscarriage, it took two months for my wife to get well. So for pretty much the first five months of this year, I was kind of taking care of both of them. And I was just losing my mind. I had to give everything I had to everything I had. And I was loving my wife and loving my daughter, but it didn't feel like there was any life in me left. And so I hit this wall in May, hit this wall coming back from our vacation because I get COVID and my daughter gets COVID. We're quarantined for 10 days. And I'm like, I just don't have anything left, Lord. So I tell my wife, I say, Janine, I don't have anything left. I've given all that I have for the last nine months and I'm just tired. My heart hurts. I'm sad, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, I'm confused. I don't know what's going on, but I know I need to find the Lord. And she says, okay, what do you need? I said, I need, I need one day where I can just get away from humans, turn off my phone, find my Bible, get in my word, ask God to meet me, and for him to do something miraculous. So I go to a hotel room. I get a hotel room five minutes up the street. I get there, my bed's not made. I don't know if y'all have ever had that, but it's awful. <laughs> had to go down in the lobby, tell the people I'm waiting there for 20 minutes. This lady comes and finally says, I didn't know it was you who were waiting, so I'm going to go make your bed now. And I said, finally, it took you long enough. I get up to my room, turn off my phone. I immediately open my Bible. And I'm like, Lord, I'm tired. My heart hurts. I'm disappointed, frustrated, and I don't know what to do. But I know that you give grace for help in our time of need. So what I did is I sat down, I opened my Bible and began to ask the Lord, what is it that you were going to say to me? He took me to Psalm 45. He had me read the whole Psalm, but verse seven stuck out tremendously. And it says this, you have hated wickedness and loved righteousness. Therefore, I will anoint you with the oil of joy among your fellows. As soon as I got that word, as soon as God had appeared to me and his grace had been there for my time of help, I said, everything else that's happening, whether it's sickness, whether it's frustration, disappointment, does not matter because my God sees me. The next day, my wife picks me up. We go to breakfast and she says, everything's good. I said, everything's good. God has spoken to me. And I know exactly where I find myself today. You going through a tough time? Has this year been really challenging? Your heart broken? Disappointment set in? Have you lost things that you thought you were going to keep? Has the job not been like you thought it was going to be? Have you been trying for kids and you just can't seem to get them? Approach the throne of grace because there's help 
There's help. There's help. There's help. There's help. God wants to give us help. And then after he gives us help, our response is what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, therefore, you, Timothy, stand strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Do you want to know what happens when God speaks? We hold on and we hold on for dear life because life's not going to get any easier. It's not going to get more fun. You're going to have more disappointments. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be sad and disappointed. And so what we need to do is we need to take a stance that says, Lord, you have told me this word, so I'm not going to move from this word. And as we stand strong, all the stuff that comes at us, it does not seem to hit as hard anymore. It does not seem to prick the heart as deeply anymore. Because when we start to take a stance, not in the grace of our parents, not in the grace of our friends, not in the grace of our church or our pastors or our money or our success or our job. I didn't want to cry tonight, y'all, but I'm happy it's happening. Not when I stand strong in the grace of anybody else, but Christ Jesus, do I have the strength to endure. So I've been holding on to this word because this year hasn't gotten any easier for me. It hasn't gotten any better. It's been pain after pain after pain. And so I'm standing strong. Y'all ever watch sumo wrestling? I haven't, <laughs> but I've seen these dudes at one time or another, they're massive. And when they take the stance of sumo wrestling, I did some research. When they take their stance, they're massive human beings. They take their stance. And what happens is they bull rush one another. These dudes are big dudes and they're just running at one another, hoping to knock each other out of the ring. It's like this whole, and then they boom. We need to take the stance and say, you're not going to move me, devil, because the word that my God has spoken is strong enough to withstand all the attacks that I'm getting. You're not going to move me, devil. We need to stand strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then after that, what happens? There's a greater grace that comes. James says it like this, God therefore gives grace. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Do you need grace? Ask for it. God's grace is available to all of us tonight. And as it is, all he wants us to do is make a request known. He wants us to be humble enough to get out of the way and stop saying I've got it. I don't know about you, but my default is I've got it. My default is I've had to have it for the last nine months in a year. My default is I got to keep going because I don't have any. My default is I can trust in my own strength. And when I do that, God opposes me. He stands against me. But when I take a step back and get out of my own way and I say, Lord, 
I don't have any more. I need your greater grace to sustain me in this place. And I can tell you one thing. The greater grace comes when you are in your best time, not in your worst time. It's really easy to call on God and ask him for grace when everything's going awful. But when you're in a really, really good time, that's when you need the greater grace. Because there is an idea that we get in our heads of, oh, I've been doing well for a long time. Just like David when he wrote this psalm. He thought, my land is prospering. I've got this under control. No, he needed a greater grace to stay humble. He needed a greater grace to say, Lord, it's not by my strength that this has been held together, but by your unfailing grace that I've been sustained. You need a greater grace when things are going great. There's a greater grace. And then when we receive the greater grace, this is the really cool part. We receive a sufficient grace as well. Your situation might not change, but God's grace is still strong enough for it. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians. He says, Lord, would you take this thorn from me? And the Lord says, no, I won't. My grace is sufficient for you and my power is perfected in your weakness. Saul's or Paul's response is, therefore, I will boast all the more in my weaknesses that your power might be perfected in me. There is a sufficient grace that comes as long as we continue to stand strong. What God has said and what he will speak to us, there is a sufficient grace that sustains us to go through what comes and what's already come. The sufficient grace of God is for us tonight. God has grace for every single situation you're going through. Paul was beaten, killed. Yes, killed. He was stoned to death and God brought him back to life. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned most of his ministry life. And what is his response when Jesus says, I won't take it from you, but I've got grace for you? Then Lord, when I am weak, you are strong. When I am weak, you are strong. You want to know how to receive grace? Show up to the throne of grace weak. Only then can God's grace be strong. And I throw, I show up to the cross every day knowing that I don't have it. And that if I show up in humility, God's grace is going to supply for where I am weak. And it's going to allow me to continue on so that I can present the grace of God to others. God's grace is not just for you. It's for your people, your family, your friends. It's for your inner circle. It's for every single situation and circumstance that you find yourself in. And only because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus can we truly receive, walk, live, stand strong, and be sustained by this grace. I want us to pray. God, 
we love you. Your grace is more than sufficient. It is exactly what we need. So Lord, would you extend grace to us? Would you allow us to see, experience, know, and walk in your grace? I want us to search our hearts and ask the Lord where there has been any pride, where there has been any of the I got it mindset, and take a moment and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I come to you asking for help. Lord, I'm sorry for making you just my helper. I need you to be my sustainer. I need you to be my Lord that guides me to you every day. I need you to be more than what I see you as. Would your grace come?